Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 131 with Christina Wise. And in this conversation, we dig into money. And Christina um, has a very interesting story, and she's also been very successful in many different ventures. But we're going to kind of dive into her whole system for kind of different buckets of your, your business money, your personal money, and then your investing and wealth building bucket there. So we kind of break that down. And Super insightful conversation. I'm excited to get this out to you. As you guys know, I've hit a couple of episodes recently on kind of money topics and feel like, hey, if we're we're in business, we might as well be pushing that forward towards a better future for ourselves and our family and our community and all those types of things. And at the end of the day, money is just a tool, but it's an extremely powerful life tool that we all need and use. So Sit back and relax. Enjoy this episode with Christina Wise. Hey, Christina, glad to have you here today. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, I'm excited for the conversation because we are going to talk about money. And that is something I've actually done a couple of episodes recently on here on Builder Funnel Radio. But it's not something that a lot of people talk about or talk about within their family structure or any of that. So just to kick things off, why do you think that is? Why why are we all afraid to talk about money? Oh, what a great question to start with. You know, I call money like the big elephant in the room. I mean, it's always there, but for whatever reason, we just don't want to talk about it. And the best answer that I have to that question is that even though money really is just, I mean, it's just a currency, it's just an artifact, it's something that we use to make exchange really efficient it's very emotionally charged. So, (laughs) you know, we don't get excited about our coffee cup. It doesn't emotionally charge us. But there, because there's so much narrative experience, we value our worth based on our money. We have our own childhood beliefs. We saw maybe a lot of dysfunction with our parents, you know, so it just goes really deep. And because there's such an emotional charge to it, it makes it unsafe to talk about you know, within families, you bring the subject up, you might get yelled at, you might, you you know, who knows, or if you have a different point of view, and you're a spouse, you know, it's dangerous, you don't want to rock the boat in the marriage. So let's just sweep it under the rug and not talk about this thing at all. And that usually comes again, because we have these childhood programming or beliefs or, or unconscious feelings attached to this, that if they've never been addressed, they're going to rear their ugly head. So I think it just people find it avoidance is the best method to, you know, to avoid all of that. Yeah, exactly. It'll work itself out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is interesting because in a lot of families, you know, you do hear about that where it's just like, if you ask a money question, it's like, oh, we don't talk about money or, oh, never, never ask somebody that question or that's rude. Or, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow in a, uh, grow up in a household where we did talk about money and saving and budgeting and how to, you know, balance a checkbook and all that good stuff. But well, that's you very do, unusual. So you're it very is, lucky. Yeah, yes. it's <laughs> uncommon. I, I'm very grateful. I guess before we go too far down the money path, which I'm excited about, because I think this stuff is super important for people to, to grasp 
how did you get into real estate? Like that connection, uh, you know, a lot of our audiences in real estate or they're builders or remodelers. And so how did you get involved there? Well, real estate, really, I started in real estate sales from a very young age and I just love the industry. I mean, I've built many houses. I've remodeled every house I've ever lived in. I'm an investor. I sold real estate. I was a real estate broker with, with you know, many agents back in the day. So I've, I've really done the entire gamut when it comes to real estate. I'm still an investor. I have a big closing tomorrow on a property that I'm selling, for example, and I'll 1031 that into the next thing. So still very active in the real estate game, if you will. Like it's, it's a significant part of my net worth when we you know put it in the money category. But what got me interested in actually teaching it came out of a life event that in 2012, had you, had you asked me, or no, if I would have gone to a fortune teller that had 100% accuracy and said, Christina, this is 2012, in like 2015, you're going to be a financial author, you're going to be teaching money, you're going to have money programs and classes, and you're just going to be you know, this, uh, this go-to, a leader in teaching people money and finance. I would have thought, I would have said, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. I am deep in real estate. This is my career, my identity. I was kind of like a national legend icon in the space in the time. So it just, that would have been, seemed so ridiculous. But what happened is a life event happened. I got really sick, 2013, 2014, had to fight for my life during that time. And what happened is that what I realized that even though like profession is really good at business, I was really good at real estate. I was great at making money. I actually got pretty good at, at, investing it and and doing that. So I was pretty good at the money game, but that was for personal reasons. Like if anybody would have identified with me, they'd been like, oh, Christina, that real estate, you know, person. But, you know, I, I really got excited in the personal side. But what happened in 2013 is I got really sick. And what I did is I spent my entire life, basically I used my health to build my wealth. And then I had to use all my wealth to get my health back is really how, how it kind of transpired. And so, so many lessons came up to me about money, actually, even though I was pretty good at it, relatively speaking, I realized I, I had it all wrong. And, you know, I had it wrong in so many different places, basically. But, you know, I was always after the chase. I was always after more, more is better. Whatever I had was never good enough. I was never in the present. I was never satisfied. I was just in that churn, that hustle. And it literally nearly killed me. So coming out of that experience and also on my deathbed, for me, I realized that I didn't care about my money. I didn't care about my success. I didn't care about all the emblems that I owned and paid a lot of money for. Like, you know, what? so I just, and all I wanted was my health back. All I wanted was all that time that I'd waited in pursuit of the there that no matter where I was there, it just wasn't good enough. So out of that, you know, I learned all these really money lessons about what I did really well and all the mistakes that I made as well as the awareness that if I hadn't have been good at money and been, been, hadn't been applying what I teach now, I wouldn't be alive today. So I really kind of came across this paradox that money's matter, money matters more than anything. I mean, we better get damn good at it. It funds everything in life one way or another. And it really is a life skill. So money matters more than anything. In my case, it saved my life. I would not be here today if I weren't really good with money. At the same time, life is not about the money. Money just underwrites the cost of, you know, peace, serenity, love, being able to have time and spending time. It's not in the acquisition of more stuff and more external, you know, validation. So anyway, to answer a long-winded answer to your very short question was <laughs> that got me excited and totally pivoted to say, you know what, I want to teach this money thing. I, 
I've learned so much over, you know, two decades of, of successes and failures with this money thing way outside the scope of real estate and making money that I want to help others build and, and hopefully not make the same mistakes I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you make a good point there. It's so interesting. And well, first of all, I'm glad that you say money is super important because I think a lot of people, you know, I don't know, there's some cultural thing where it's like money is bad, or if you accumulate a lot of it, like you're, you've got your priorities all wrong or, you know, and, and I don't think that's the case, but I think there's kind of an asterisk with that where you, you know, you realize like money matters until then all, all that mattered was health. You know, it was like, well, now, now it only matters to the extent that it's helping me with my health. And then you realize, well, it's, it's still pretty darn important then. And so, yeah, I guess to, to dig into some things around that, I guess somebody that's maybe out there and they haven't put a lot of time and energy into thinking about their monetary system and how they budget, invest, save, like, where do you start? If you're just kind of sitting there hearing this today and you go, okay, money's really important. And maybe I don't have a good grasp on like my whole system and my end goal. What's step one? Yeah, I really like what you said there, like a monetary system. And and the key is, is that's a really good point, is that you have to have a system. And if you don't have a system for wealth and growth, you're not going to have wealth and growth, regardless of how how big your business gets. And and you clearly fundamentally know this and, and grew up with some of these principles. And so without a really good working system, but most people are like, well, what kind of system? Where do I get a system? So anyway, that's something like, if I don't have a system, it's an awareness like, well, maybe I should go find one. Or that, but to start off with, you know, I like to say there's just a fuel money, like anything, it's a life skill and a skill, meaning we learn it and money, you know, most of us don't grow up like you did with parents that taught us anything that made it a safe subject. And it's certainly not taught in school. So what Mm -hmm. happens as we reach adulthood is we start making money, we start spending money. And that's basically all that's as much as depth as it goes, right? Yeah, it's then just we, coming then we, in and going out and <laughs> yeah, you you're, you're getting all your bills yeah. covered and you're thinking you're doing okay. And inevitably you reach a spot where it's just like, man, I'm tired. I just thought it'd be easier this. Like, where's the money? Where's the surplus? And we just get stuck in what I call this earn spend cycle where we spend everything we make and we have to go that next month and, and do it again and do it again and do it again years over years. And when you're younger, that's super fun. And it, lo- it seems like you'll never run out of energy. But at some point you're like, man, I'd really love to take a vacation or wow, I'd really like to do X, Y, Z. And I can't because I have to go hit that churn button again to pay that next month's bills. So it's just, I think the the first takeaway is that because we're making money and spending and it feels like we're doing okay. Uh, you know, crisis always happens. Like light, change never happens until there's a crisis. So I just say mm-hmm. avoid a crisis and know there's a lot more to this money thing than making it and spending it. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of it, you know, it just comes back to it's like starting with a budget so that, you know, okay, now like you mentioned the word surplus, now you've got that. And then it's okay. What do I do with that? I guess I want to kind of jump ahead to the whole concept of retirement. Cause I know you have kind of maybe a different philosophy on that. I, I certainly do as well. So I'd love to hear your perspective on the whole uh, the whole concept of retirement and how we should be thinking about it. Yeah. So retirement's an industrial age word, and we're still so wrapped up in this historical way of thinking about money and planning for it when it's just not applicable anymore. I mean, retirement really, the 
and we got we have these things planted in our head like oh i should retire at 62 well that's when you live to 67 you <laughs> exactly. know exactly and you know and you have 5 years to live and yeah you want to sit on a rocking chair for 5 years and just kind of do nothing so they've been laboring in the mines you know for all that time they were tired and they're going to die soon so it's different times today but really what i like to share is like this understanding the shift in mindset is how you break money up and, you know, I was looking even at some of the talks and the things that you do on your show. And there's so much like if we're in the construction business or whatever it is, like that's what we do for a living. That's our business. So if I'm a builder, for example, and then, you know, I'm doing all these business things to generate new business, to be able to manage, all, you know, to build the houses, do inventory, pay my bills. And at the end of the day, whatever I'm doing as a builder I'm looking to turn profit. So if I got three new million dollar build jobs this year, you know, as far as the money I'm bringing in and mining costs, that all the costs to build those houses, and I have $300,000 profit left over from these three build jobs, that's all business. And so that's the business conversation. It's the business game of money. Is if that's not enough money, how do we grow the business? How do we get four versus three? What are we doing for Legion? How are we managing cutting costs? Right, those are all business conversations. So it's to understand that those are important because the better we are in business, the more profit that we can make and keep as far as our business. So that's the business game. But it's to understand is that's just one game and it's just one piece of the money game. The question now is with that $300,000 that we took as profit from our business, what do we do with it? And what a lot of entrepreneurs or small business owners do is they just reinvest all the money back in their business. They never really fully pay themselves or they write off all these things out of their their business for quote unquote tax reasons. At the end of the day, that's where you get stuck. That type of mindset is the stuck mindset will keep you having to work in your business and figure out how to make that next month's revenue and profit every day or every month for the rest of your life. So what we need to understand is that profit now becomes income, like words change as the cash flow moves and we're always moving cash. So the profit now from our business, that $300,000, now when we move it out of our business account into our household account, now we want to create profit in our household. So I teach a concept to think of household finance as a separate business. Our business business is a business of creating income for ourselves through profit. And our household business is how we use profit to generate and create wealth because our business isn't wealth. Our business is hard work and labor. So what we do now is now we look at that $300,000 at income, and now we have to break it up into different parts. What most people do is they just put all that money in, let's say, assuming they put it all into their household account, then they're going to have $300,000 of expenses and then just spend it all right they spend it all next year they want to make four hundred thousand dollars they can do four hundred thousand dollars of expenses many people get into tax trouble so i just teach a methodology for how to break that up we take profit off the top in a profit first system which is usually 15 to 20 percent so you know maybe sixty thousand dollars we take off the top that's not our money that goes into our investment bucket we need to take our taxes and now we get to live off everything else which includes two parts our lifestyle expenses our living expenses as well as savings to have liquidity and cash in like an emergency fund in different buckets of cash that, that those monies are allocated and then so that's our second business and our third kind of money so we take we have our business hat on in the game of money put that aside. Now we put on our household game, household of how to generate profit for 
current lifestyle and future lifestyle, we put that hat down. And over here, we're going to put on our investor cap that says, all right, now I have this, you know, I put in $100,000 of cash into my investment bucket. Where are, going to, where are we going to invest this money outside of my business? Or if I'm going to invest it back in the business, I want to make sure that I compare, is that the best place to put the money? Or am I over leveraged in my business and completely I'm not diversified enough? So it's probably going to make sense to put it elsewhere. So it's just looking at wearing these three hats and understand when we're playing the money game to win, how we meant when the money game is all about wealth creation and wealth, meaning the assets pay for a cost of living, not our hard work, or if we're in our business, that is our hard work. And we keep doing that until we hit that point of what I call freedom. And freedom just means that we have the surplus in cash and we have the cash flow from assets that allows us to do whatever we want with our time. And then we get to choose. And that could happen at any age. And, and it, I mean, that could happen if we're 30, that could, why wait till 62? Like you get to decide and reverse engineer the numbers and do a couple compounding. Or if you're 50, you don't have to be scared to death. that I go, oh my God, 62 is around the corner. I don't have enough. It's like, no, I, I'm going to live till 85. I've got plenty of time to do this if I start doing it, but I need to know my numbers. So it's just getting out of this industrial age thinking that this is about retirement. It's really about sovereignty and freedom, peace of mind, serenity, and security is what we're building. But you have to have cash and you have to have assets and you have to have passive cash flow to have that sense of financial stability and well-being. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, the old model is just like, hey, work for 40 years and then sit around and do nothing for however long is left. You know, it's like, wait, 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 isn't there a middle ground where you can kind of get somewhere where you've got enough passive income? Maybe you still want to work, but maybe you only want to work 20 hours a week because you enjoy whatever that is. And then you can, you know, you know, you're okay if you live for another 70 years because you've got the assets working for you. So totally agree with you there. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I'm curious, let's dig into a couple of those spots. You mentioned, uh, I guess, let's start on the, the business bucket. So we go business to personal to investing and building assets. So business bucket, you kind of used a 3 million, you know, 300K. So 10% net profit. You know, I guess, is that what you kind of expect to see there on the business side? Do you count that? Does that include owner's comp or kind of how do you see that that world right there? That's, a, that's something when I, I teach a, a program, it's called Know Your Numbers. And we reverse engineer everything back. And so when I teach from versus most people go from income, like from their business, and that dictates how much money they're going to spend in their household. And that's going to dictate if, if they put any away to invest or when they decide to do that. But we need to start and reverse engineer with the end in mind. So just some rough numbers is that, let's say we determined we want to earn $100,000 a year in passive asset cash flow. And so rule of thumb is for every $50,000 of dividend cash flow or asset cash flow, it's about a million dollars of net worth just to pull out at four or 5% sure. and do some of these, you know, these kind of rule of thumb percentages based on just some financial doctrine. So let's say we want to, when we're ready to like what we have to do, the first thing we have to do is you have to calculate how much does it cost to live your desired lifestyle? This is without having a bunch of payments, like with, we have a bunch of debt, but we, you know, if you want to be rich and have wealth, you can't have personal debt outside of your mortgage. So let's assume all of the debts paid off, whether or not you have a mortgage, you need to know how much, including your mortgage, how much does it cost to live my good life? And let's just say it's $100,000. So then we're saying, okay, in my business, I need to generate $100,000 after tax so that I have that money. That's how much it costs to live my lifestyle. 
Now, if we reverse engineer, if we want to replace our working income with passive income, that means we need, need, need $2 million of, let's say, net worth, pulling out at 4 or 5% per year. So if we're pulling out, if it's $2 million, we're pulling out 50,000 a year, that's, you know, I mean, $100,000 a year, there's 100 grand. So now we can reverse engineer back from that. I have a $2 million gap because I have no net worth. So now we can put it into a compound and calculate everything. And let's, and so if you work the numbers, it would take 20 years of putting away 28, this is more conventional, but putting $2,800 a month away for 20 years at a 10% to double digit return without missing a payment. So now we can say, all right, if it costs me, let's say $100,000 to live my desired lifestyle, and now I have to add taxes onto that during working periods. So now mm-hmm. whatever my tax rate is on top of that, plus that $2,800 a month for that I'm not going to miss a payment for 20 years. Now I can reverse engineer. And that says how much profit I need to make in my business, because that's how much money I need to make to be able to hit all my numbers to make sure that I have enough money to live my lifestyle today. And I'm saving to invest for that future date. And now we reverse engineer from there and divide it by our profit margin. So if it's $100,000, now we can just say, if it's if I have a 20% profit margin, then how much revenue top line do I need to do? But knowing your numbers, it's really knowing what is the profit margin that's normal for your business because you don't, you know, at least that's a good benchmark. And if you can beat it, great. But, you know, if you have a 10% profit margin and you're paying yourself a salary, I think if you're not making at least a 20% total margin by the time you add in profit and however you're paying yourself through dividend, through any type of dist- distributions or salaries or whatever, you're working really hard for very little money. Yeah, at the end for of the a day. lot of risk and yeah, not enough. Yeah, because <laughs> when you get to only 10% that top line, you're making a million dollars to keep $100,000. You're working really effing hard to generate a million dollars top line, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I like how you break it down to, I feel like one critical element of all of this is, I mean, the knowing your numbers, and then you got to stick to your numbers, you know, especially on the personal budgeting side, you know, when you, you take that over into that bucket, and then you're going, okay, I've gonna, I'm going to live on this so that I can put those payments aside and start investing. You kind of threw out that like $2,800 payment, you know, for 20 years. And I know that was just an example do you have general recommendations for where people should be putting that or is it totally individualistic based on the the person? Yeah, you know, I do. That's kind of the million dollar question, so to speak. It's like, well, where do I, where do I put my money and where do you yeah, get 10%? Do do and, it? yeah. and it's this natural question. And what I say is that investing is very personal. There are 10 billion different ways to invest your money. Like, you know, but we just know, oh, put in the stock market, maybe buy some real estate. But what happens is that, And I don't know why it works this way, but when you start building and you just start shaving money, in this case, the example I used, it kind of makes it sound like, oh, I'm just going to put $2,800 a week month and buy stocks or something. But ultimately, I'm just saying we're using that $2,800 a month and we're putting in our investment bucket. And now we're going to buy assets as that grows over time. So if you're going to really play the investment game, you usually look at a minimum of a $50,000 play to $100,000 play, really to get into the deals that's going to get you any type of real return that's over you know, stock market minus inflation, minus fees and everything. So if we're looking at double digits, we're looking at maybe you, you have to like save your money and to be able to buy, write a $50,000 check or so 
to be able to invest. Now, what happens is when you start having that cash available, I don't know why it works this way, but deals come to you. Opportunities come to you, almost too many in the sense of you're not asking, oh my God, I've got this bucket full of money. Where do I put it? Just magically, these things, because someone will come to you and say, hey, I have this new opportunity. I'm taking $50,000 investments and I have this new construction tool thing that's going to change the face of the planet. And would you like to be early in on this type of investment? And by the way, you're using it in your own business. And see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. there's no shortage of places to put your money, but that doesn't happen if you're not already ahead of the game, if you're not already building that. And then it's, it is amazing. Like for me, you know, as I'm always in build, building my investing bucket, I mean, I'm sweeping money off the top of every single paycheck. Money, 20% for mine comes off the top of every single paycheck. And I get paid lots of different ways these days. I have lots of different revenue streams. But it's always 20% that goes into my investing bucket. And again, I just let it grow. But I never quite know. Sometimes I have a hunch like, you know, I want to buy another piece of real estate this year, whatever the case is. Well, but I just don't know either. So another example that just happened at the end in December of this year, you know, I have money in my investment bucket and I'm an Airbnb host, a super host. That's one of my revenue streams is is Airbnb. And they sent out this email to all the super hosts that said, hey, if you want to do IPO and invest in Airbnb stock, and then, you know, that's an opportunity. So that did I put on my four, like last year when I started saving money, oh, I'm going to, Airbnb is going to be where I'm going to put my money and yada. No, of course, I had no idea. It just fell out of the blue and I had money in my investment bucket. And it's like, oh my God, I got IPO pricing and this, this, and this. Now I own this amount of, you know, $50,000 of Airbnb stock. Because there's that $50,000, you know, that chunk that was earmarked ready to invest somewhere. So that's an example of just how these, the, you know, the investment opportunities come to you and versus asking the question of where should I put my money? The question is, is how the hell, what system am I going to have and what numbers do I need to do? And how disciplined am I going to make, be to make sure that I get money in that investment bucket? That needs to be the first question. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So yeah, I think uh, maybe it's Tim Ferriss. He kind of talks about having an opportunity fund. And that's kind of what triggered in my mind when you're talking about that. You're going, yeah, you're not just putting this, you know, three grand a month somewhere. You you have to stack up some cash and then say, okay, now I'm looking for that thing that I'm going to get into, whether it's a property or, or 
Airbnb IPO or whatever it you know comes your way, but you're you're actually in a spot to be able to act, and most people aren't, and so right. that's what I'm hearing from you is like put that away, commit to it, and then you can make some big moves versus just kind of these tiny little moves that you know maybe never actually do anything with, or you can't do anything with that that amount of money. Yeah, you mentioned if you're just getting started, yeah, if you have a if you have a small amount, you know, and you're just you know. Some people, they're just coming out of college and they want to start the discipline and practice and you have a little bit, but don't put money into 401ks at a young age. Make sure at least you're putting, if it's minimal amounts, make sure they're self-directed IRAs. Make sure you have control of your money. And even if you just put it in index funds, just to get in that habit of saving right now and letting it you know, potentially grow until you're making more money and can start doing bigger chunks. But really it's just the habit where it is, is not all that important. The amounts aren't even big enough to really matter at the early stages. It's just really creating that as a habit where for the rest of your life, it's as normal as brushing your teeth every day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. It reminds me, I'll butcher this, but it's basically, you know, I mean, if you, if you've got a hundred grand and you're making 10%, like that's 10 grand, but at the beginning stages, the early stages, like you just said, if you've got you know, a thousand bucks, you know, 10% is only moving the needle a hundred bucks. Like you might as well just save a thousand bucks. And then at the end of the year, you've got 12 grand, you know? So I I like that point of, um, you know, maybe it's about building the habit, but you've kind of got to, you know, just amass something. You mentioned the 20%. I'm interested to dive into that a little bit because you read all these personal finance blogs and different things. And 10% always seems to be the number that, that uh, comes around. I've never thought that that's enough. So where did you arrive or why did you arrive at the 20% or is that just what works for you? Yeah, I love, I love your questions, by the way. And the answer, and usually I always say is it depends. A lot of it depends how old you are and how soon you start. So, you know, my kids are in their twenties and they're doing like 10% now because they're, you know, their incomes are pretty modest right now. And so they want enough to live off of, and they're already doing these principles. So they have lots of time. Yep. And now, you know, with the more money, you know, if they keep it at 10%, they're going to be so far ahead that people trying late 10 years later, will have to do 20, 30% just to catch up. So they can maybe keep that forever. So, you know, takeaway one, start soon. The earlier, the younger that you are, the less that you have to put away. So that's that. But I mean, in general, again, when you know your numbers and let's say we use that $2 million and I did 20 years. Now, let's say you wanted to half it. So now maybe instead of, you know, let's say $2,800 was 10%, but you want to do it in 10 years instead of 20 years, then double it. You know, so that means you're going to be saving a lot more off the top at that 20% versus a 10%, but you want to hit your, your $2 million number in half the time. So it's a rally of 50-50. One, depends on age, but just say mm-hmm. kind of a you know late 30s, mid to late 30s, or just even early 40s if you're just starting this. If you're young, I mean, if you're below 35, man, you're just, and you start these things, you're just so set for life to start this. But, but if you're doing this, let's just say at kind of an average age, then a lot, some 50% are going to say, Hey, I want to do it in two, 10 years. I'm going to low, I'm going to really focus on increasing my income as much as possible. And I'm going to keep my lifestyle expenses a little bit tighter because I want to do it. I don't want to worry about it 20 years from now. The other 50% is like, Hey, this is no race. I'm, there's no finish line. I really want to, we don't know how much time we're going to have. So I want to make sure I really max out my spending today And so, you know, I'm going to take the 20 years as opposed to 10 years. So do you see it's really a personal judgment call, but you can work all these numbers. It's very simple math that when you know your numbers, you get to decide for yourself. 
For me yeah. also in the 20%, there's, I teach, I don't usually talk about it here on conversations like this, but 50, you get two investment buckets and the one investment bucket is the financial investment bucket. And that's actually 15% of gross that you're bringing in of that 300,000 in that case that we used. The other 5% is our health wealth bucket, because what I learned on my deathbed is that my body is my number one asset. And if I'm sick, I am not making money. If I'm sick, I'm not enjoying my life. And so where I realized that I'm actually a financial investment in asset, I go, mm-hmm. so does all the money yeah. and all the opportunity. So now 5% of that actually goes into my personal like self-care investment bucket that I'm always putting money in and same thing, letting it accumulates when there's certain money there. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do some stem cell treatments this year, for example, and they're very expensive, but I've been saving that money for a while just to be able to do that type of treatment. Let's say that, you know, because that I think is just putting energy back into me and stuff to me because I'm that well, I'm way into longevity, both both my age as far as longevity, but I, you need the longevity of your money too. So wealth and wealth really go hand in hand. And, and so I always encourage people that, you know, we can't use our bodies just to make money. It, you know, we have these F1 cars. We have to make sure we, we invest a lot of money and time and energy back into them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super good point. And yeah, my wife and I have a, like an other investments bucket. I don't know why we called it other investments, but it was just like non-monetary things. And it's for, yeah, it could be experiences or like a course or like we wanted to educate ourselves on something or, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, fitness related. And so, yeah, I like that you, you kind of split it into those buckets because yeah, I mean, if, if you go away or you, you know, you're, ability to earn is, you know, dampered then, you know, I mean, you could argue that you're your number one investment and then the, the money part, you know, comes after that. So I Absolutely. like that point. Um, and yeah, everyone, like, I like that you hit on money being so personal because everyone has that, that different balance of like, I want to live now and I want to, you know, save for the future. And like, you've, you've got to find a balance between both. I think you can't just go all in on, on one of those buckets, but everyone kind of lives on different, you know, ends of that spectrum. So um, you kind of have to do a little self-discovery, I feel like. Yeah, there, that's where I have a little bit. I mean, I love the principles, but what is the the whole movement now? Like I fire, what is oh, it? The fi- um, yeah, f- uh, financial independence, retire early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of great principles in that. I mean, principally, I really agree with it. But what I where I disagree, it's like live on rice and beans today <laughs> to hit that number as soon as possible. And I just don't subscribe to that. I think if we, you know, we intend to live a long time and we want to use time, but we can't sacrifice today for tomorrow and we can't sacrifice tomorrow for day today. So we just don't know how long we're here. I mean, when I was facing death, I was like, I haven't even lived yet. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, so, and that was a big part of the regret that I had. I had so much regret that I was just working all the time and trying to hit some number and trying to, you know, all those things thinking I'd have plenty of time. And all of a sudden I just realized I didn't even have any life experience because all that went to money generation and keeping costs low and the, those different things. So to your point, it's like finding your balance and you know, there's a yeah. sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. And one kind of rule of thumb that my wife and I've used is if we ever get like a, you know, a raise and we kind of try to split that 50, 50, half to more lifestyle and half to more savings. So you can do some of the like, Hey, let's have some fun now. 
and, uh, and it's not all about, you know, future spends and rage. Um, but uh, I want to dig into the discipline a little bit because I think that's really where this whole system can break down in an instant is if you don't have that discipline, especially on the, maybe let's just talk about the personal budgeting side. So say your business has got the profit, you've put it into that home bucket. Do you have any just like tips for people that maybe have never been able to stick to a budget or they feel like it, everything's always gone at the end of the month and they never actually did set it aside? Is there anything helpful that you can, that people can take away and just say, okay, I can do this and start yeah. getting on that path? Yeah. You know, a few different things to answer that question is that I really don't like the word budget any more than I like the word retirement because mm. budget just really by the money, it's like going on a diet. I mean, who wants to go on a diet? <laughs> restricted calorie diet forever. Sure. No one, right? But so for example, we can choose our lifestyle diet though, not in the sense to diet to lose weight, but let's say, you know, I had more of an American diet and ate lots of junk food and carbs and fast food and, you know, put on the pounds. And, you know, so a lot of people do that. Then they go on a calorie restricted diet, they lose weight, then they bounce back. They don't stick with it. And because it's, it's, it's based on the wrong principles as opposed to, just trading the diet from the American diet to a paleo diet, let's say that's very, you know, the diet itself, the lifestyle diet restricts carbs and sugars and, and packaged foods. And so just by, by virtue of choosing the principles and the systems of that diet, you don't, it, it just becomes easy at that point. So, but nobody likes to go on a restricted calorie diet. So I yeah. see budgeting is that same way. It's like, who wants to budget and just restrict how much they can spend and keep track of every penny that way. And because it's just based on, and that's where I don't really subscribe to like Dave Ramsey and some of these others, because it's all about, and even like the I fire, what it fire, I guess a little bit, it's restriction, 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 restriction. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. like at some point you're just going to give up or, you know, or just cheat or whatever the case is. So I like to say, and it's all about scarcity and lack and reduction as opposed to abundance and growth. Yes. And so when we're in the abundance of growth, it's just understanding the principles of money is you have to manage your cash. You have to attend to it. You have to spend time with it. You have to look at it. You have to understand it. So when we're trading the word from budget to a desire to get very close and understand my money and direct it and grow it and learn about it and enjoy it and have a healthy, good relationship with it. That's like the first part is like, Oh, I should budget. I know I've read every book and I should budget as opposed to, you know, I desire to get to know my money and be what see that's, it's just like switching trading mm -hmm. one mentality for another. So and then instead of budget, so something I teach in my money school and my money programs is, is I teach QuickBooks, for example, but it's, again, it's, it's a lifestyle. So, you know, every, when I exercise three days a week and I do my yoga two times, this is just to your point, it's just a discipline. It's just natural. I just do these things now because my health is important and that's part of my lifestyle. So when money becomes our lifestyle, then is part of our lifestyle and something that's really important, then we need to get into our books and look at it. And so if we just, these apps, if you're just about budgeting, there's plenty of apps and things to help you do that. I know very few people who stick with it. But if you're about into abundance and growth and wealth creation and generation and really having a healthy, like I said, attentive relationship and action with your money, then you need a financial system and software like QuickBooks or Zero or these others or what's required to create wealth. 
And then it's not about budgeting. It's about flowing your money and having it broken up and going in and reconciling it and seeing how it's doing and making sure you sweep money from one point to another to make sure all your buckets are full. And then another thing is like 100% of money is meant to be spent. So I don't teach budgeting. I teach that every month, let's just say, because everything I teach is on a, it's very, I work with variable income earners, Mm -hmm. (laughs) business owners. So there's never really a consistent paycheck. So it's always a percentage base. So if I'm bringing in $10,000 this month, I have the 20% off the top, I have my taxes, I have my lifestyle expenses, living in luxury, and then I have my, my below the line buckets. So my point is it's all based on percentages. So with that, it's just like, all right, I got my 10,000. Let me sweep money in here and in there and let me pay these bills. And now I'm putting some money aside in these checking accounts or these different savings accounts. And, oh, we have this education fund and my wife and I want to go on a, you know, on a a mastermind trip. And so now we're going to spend that money out of that account. So you're just always moving money. And it's not about budgeting, but the, yes, the discipline has to be there, but the discipline is that it's a desire to be financially healthy, that my discipline around staying, you know, going to exercise and eat well is desire to be physically healthy, you know, and, you know, so that's the same thing. It comes out of this desire for financial wellness, financial abundance, financial health. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I, I like how you frame it as the abundance mentality versus restriction, you know, cause that'll, that'll only get you so far. And like you said, that's not much fun. So <laughs> yeah. And that's not the point. The point is like, there's, right. there's so much like when yeah, we, when infinite. we live in the state infinite, when we live in the state of abundance, the mindset is up and it's about growth and how do I move and generate and touch my money in a way that causes it to create more velocity and more fun. But if we're afraid of it, we don't talk about it. It's a bad thing. We abdicate it. We avoid it. We don't touch it. We don't, we're just going to be stuck in the rat race. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, Christina, I have a few more questions for you and I want, want you to give people a chance to, you know, how can they find you and all that. But before we get to that, what's something that maybe I haven't asked you about that you want people to know either about money or, or anything in this kind of, you know, bucket that, uh, that we haven't talked about. Yeah, I think I already mentioned this, but just to make it clear, is to understand that income and wealth are categorically different. And a lot of these words, money words, get interchanged, like they're the same thing. And remember, income is the money we make. Wealth is the money we have. And so wealth is on a balance sheet. It shows up, it's called net worth. It's the it's asset value. And I like to, you know, when you know your numbers, it's like, what is your net worth that does then it can't be your personal residence or your business. It's what is your net side net worth outside of those two things. So it's just understand when we're in the wealth game that part of what we're doing all the time is we're moving our money is over some horizon of time, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever your time frame is, is that we're always in the wealth game. And income isn't the, you know, income is just the source of the wealth creation, but that's just it is get in the wealth game, get out of the income game. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Well, Christina, if people want to learn more about how you help people, you know, learn this at a greater scale that we could talk about today, you know, what's a good way to get in touch with you and learn more? The, the easiest thing is I have some free downloads. And so I have my book that's called Falling for Money in digital format. If people like to read digitally, it's just in PDF. I have a webinar, which I teach the five fundamental truths of money that if you know them, will make you rich. And if you don't, will keep you paycheck to paycheck. And then some other downloads. And the easiest way, that's at Christina.com, which is a K and two S's. So it's spelled a little bit differently. And then I have my Wealthy Wealthy podcast, but you can even Google my name and it's pretty easy to, to find me these days. But 
but yeah, if you want some freebies, just go to Christina.com, K-R-I-S-S-T-I-N-A. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll put those in the show notes and make it easy for people too. Christina, before we wrap, I always end with a segment of the show we call the fast five, and I'm going to hit you with five rapid fire questions and uh, just say whatever comes to mind. So first question is, what is your favorite business book and why? You know, funny, just that always changes. But right now I'm (laughs) just, um, (laughs) I'm always right now. It's like what I'm reading. And this is a must read that very few Mm, people have read. It's called The Greatest Man- Salesman in the World, Og Mandino. So I always reread this and think and grow rich at the beginning of every year to really set my mindset. So right now, I'd say The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. Cool, cool. I like it. All right. Next question is, who is the most inspirational person in your life? Oh, my goodness. That's a hard question. Dang, I have too many. I can't answer that. But I mean, I guess the, the number one person that just really jumped out at me, and you probably because you said his name, was Tim Ferriss. I mean, it's as mm. far as kind of like inspirational and big thinking and someone I think who's done a very well, great job in business and finance and investing and business podcasting. So I I know that his work inspires me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. He's good at shifting your paradigm, you know, and how Mm -hmm. you you think. Um, All right. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Oh my gosh, where do you get these questions? These are so hard. <laughs> I make the whole rest of the interview easy and then just right at the end, you, you know, do. put you on the spot. Oh my God, <laughs> I should have thought of these beforehand. Superpower. Um, I don't know. This is not to answer the question, but I know my personal work all the time is just to, to work to be more present and not get so caught up in all the stuff out there. So if my superpower more just this ability to be more at peace and spend more time being present and, and just get out of that chase energy. Yeah. That that's a good one. That's tough to do. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's I'm always living in the future as well. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, describe yourself in three words. Oh my gosh. Dang. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Last one will be easy. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, describe myself in three words. I don't know. Happy bold, aspirational, like always aspiring for kind of the next thing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. All right. Final question is, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Know that money is a skill and you need to learn it if you want to have it. Like go learn money. I like it. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Well, Christina, thanks so much for joining me. And also thank you for going through the fast five after we had a nice, easy discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this was great. I think people will have a lot of takeaways. And uh, definitely, uh, if you're listening to this, go check out the show notes, hit up those links and learn more. But uh, thanks again, Christina. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.